I like, hey, there's Casey Neistat in the, the Zencaster. That's what, that's what we just said. Oh, Casey seriously? Neistat's here. Sonny, oh, where snap. are you? Casey's here? You're not in oh, the, sweet. You're not in the Zencaster, Sonny. <laughs> yeah, Sonny, you're not Zencaster. Oh. We got Casey, but we don't have Sonny. <laughs> <laughs> you spell his name wrong? I think that's how you spell it. <laughs> he spelled his own name wrong. Okay, 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 okay. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. <laughs> oh, that sounded terrible. Okay. Okay, okay, okay. I'm trying to calm down. <laughs> uh, it's only funny because I can't laugh. <laughs> This is how today's gonna go. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Okay. Guys, stop. Okay. I'm trying. Okay. I'm not even drunk. I had two beers. <laughs> Can't stop that. I'm crying. <laughs> hey, what's up, guys? Welcome back to the Digital Bounds Podcast. Uh, today with me, as always, I have Sunny Singh. Hey, what's up? And our special co-host. Is it? Would it be called the co-host? Yeah. Okay. That's Kyle McDonald. Hello. <laughs> um, oh man, we're already having a blast. Uh, so it's Sunday Where, are night. Are we? Are we not introducing Casey? Oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry, Casey's in our Zencaster, but he's not in our Slack chat. So we're having a little technical difficulties getting him into our Slack from our Zencaster. <laughs> so that's going to lead. This, oh my God, this is terrible. That's going to lead into our first topic. Um, Let's preface that and say it's 9.37 on Sunday night. Uh, I fell asleep in the morning. Sunny did not wake up. Kyle was um, casually not awake as normal. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, we tried to reschedule. Sunny had to go to a movie. And uh, here we are now about to talk about Casey Neistat and uh, his update for CNN and Beam. Uh, You want to start with that, Sunny? You're the one who kind of asked me about it on Slack. Oh, hopefully. Is Casey not, really not in this podcast right now? Okay, so... Well. Sadly not. I, I might... I, I, I met him, but I, I don't know him that well. No, but yeah, like, for anyone who doesn't know, <clears throat> Casey, uh, Casey's, I guess, uh, Beam as a company got bought out by CNN. CNN oh, and... CNN? <laughs> <laughs> no, that'd be, that'd be really bad. No, but, um, yeah, so Beam, the app, got shut down, like, many months ago. And CNN decided to basically buy like the technology and the team behind uh, Beam, and Casey has been kind of holding the, like the news behind uh, what they're actually doing uh, under CNN for a while. But he finally did a video doing a CNN update, what they're actually going to do, and they're doing what do they call like Beam News, right? Yeah. So yeah. they're trying to turn into like a source fed or. Um, what's, what's another one? Or like a... Um, BuzzFeed, maybe. Yeah, like a BuzzFeed sort of thing. So nothing really unique, honestly. I don't know. What, no, what do you guys I, think? 
I don't know, he talks about it being so unique and new and, like, fresh, and I'm just like, I don't know, man. I mean, sounds cool in concept, but there's, like, one example video, which was on his vlog. Like, it seemed kind of neat at first, and then it just was like, this is, like, a BuzzFeed video. Yeah, I, I totally agree with Kyle. Like, I started watching it, and I and I had heard about it from Sam a few weeks back about it, and I was like, oh, that sounds really cool. And then he talked about it on the... Um, Philip DeFranco podcast and then I actually saw it and I was like this seems more like yeah like BuzzFeed something they would do on like Facebook live you know less production value there wasn't a lot of production value something that I expected from Casey to bring to the news is a lot of like panoramic shots and drones and you know things that he had been doing in the podcast in the podcast in the vlog yeah but it seems like because he specifically said that he doesn't want it to be like the Casey show so he's not going to be the main host or anything. So I guess he hasn't been too, like, he hasn't, like, taken a huge part in creating this, I guess. Um, and I think that's the, same the problem time, there. Yeah. But who's the the guy that's, like, the main host? Yeah, of he's not good, name? though. Um, he's a really good YouTuber. Like, he's a really big YouTuber. He just threw in a bunch of, like, really cringy jokes that made me just want to turn it off the entire time. <laughs> he, he's actually, like, pretty funny, like. He's a really good videographer, and overall, he's he's a great um, like he's a great personality. But I think he came off a little too much like source fed. You know, they try to be funny to tell the news, more satirical than in nature, and then ended up kind of skewing towards like this is kind of stupid. Like it doesn't seem that like, interesting. Yeah, I think it all depends on the personalities. Like, that's normally why you watch these types of news shows. Like, that's why people watch Philip DeFranco. So, if if that doesn't work out, it's just going to be another BuzzFeed. Like, you don't really care about the people talking about the news. Well, I feel like the whole success of SourceFed initially was their first crew of people. I feel like the people always make the, the news organizations, you know? Right. Like, that's what I'm saying, though. Like, if, if if they can't get that to work, then people are like, the show is just going to be where it doesn't matter about who's talking about the news and no one's going to watch it. Yeah. So my understanding is they're doing it all through YouTube, too. Yeah, for now, anyway. I think they were talking about different mediums, but... yeah. They said, we're going to use a bunch of new and exciting platforms. I'm just like, I don't know what other new and exciting <laughs> platform you're speaking of, but. Okay. Yeah, so they, CNN's backing them, which I, I, I get. They have their panels app that they're releasing soon where they'll like poll people and you can like send in videos and audio clips and they'll play those in their videos. So you're going to get a lot of uh, uh, viewership uh, feedback, but at the same time, I just. I don't see what they're building here. Like, it doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, and as much as I love Casey, like, I wish I would be biased and be like, oh, it's going to be a really great thing, but it, it's really hard yeah. to, to say I that think even from just a biased like, perspective. Yeah, I think they're just, like, starting too big. Like, they're, like, creating a brand around Beam, like, totally re-educating the audience about what Beam is, but then they're throwing all this stuff at you at once. They're not just starting simple, and I think that's the issue. If they just start a little more simple, it makes more sense. But they're trying to do all these different things at once, which it makes sense because CNN's funding money and they're trying to make them like huge. But I just don't feel like it's going to take off when you have like forty things going at once. I think what the, uh, CNN thought they could do with Casey is what they kind of you know the outline. The outline's been doing some like really crazy stuff, but it's really insightful uh, articles and they're doing some cool videos. I feel like Casey is going for what the outline is doing. 
but he's but trying not, to keep it on the video me- medium. But they're not doing anything interesting on YouTube. That's the problem, though. Well, but you like, can't at do least anything interesting on YouTube. What's that? You, you, what can you do interesting on YouTube? There's no... You, I don't know, but restricted. I mean, the outline kind of surprised me. Like, the web is more um, flexible in what you can do with it, but the outline really surprised me with what they were doing with uh, the website and the articles and stuff. I'm, I'm sure they could have figured something out on YouTube. I guess the problem is they had to do something interesting. So if, if it wasn't possible on YouTube, they had to do something different. Kyle, you say start simple. What do you mean by start simple, though? Like, if they just released the news thing, I feel like it would have a higher chance of taking off. But, like, when he was going through what Beam is going to be, it was, like, these, like, four different things, like, main things underneath Beam. And it yeah. just, like, it didn't make sense how they interacted or anything. It all seemed kind of, like, I see some interaction, but it was just, it didn't seem like a fully fledged, like, fully formed and, like, baked idea. It just seemed kind of like, well, this would be cool, this would be cool, let's just do all of it. I think what Casey should have done with Beam as a, as a whole, I know he says he's not in charge, but of course he has a lot of pool here because Casey's the one with the brand and he's the one that's going to bring the viewership here. I think they should have revolved Beam news around him at first. I think that's what they're trying to do. Well, no, I think Casey's trying to avoid that, though. He doesn't want to... Sh- yeah. like, I don't think he wants to be the main host because he feels like everyone's going to think that he's biased because he said he was voting for Hillary or he's not um, he's not able to actually report on the news because he's not a journalist. He's just a vlogger, you know? Yeah. I think he's, well, I mean, he's he getting said, in his head. He said in his vlog about how he's going to do it at first, but then he's going to like let other people do it because he doesn't want it to turn into like the Casey show. But I don't know. I just don't find other people's opinions as interesting as his. So I don't know. Like, personally, I wouldn't want to watch just some random guy that's, like, friends with Casey. That, that's totally true. Um, what I do think is, like, Casey finally opened up his an- annex. So, Sam Sheffer, you, do you know him, Sonny? Yeah. So, Sam Sheffer's working out of Casey's annex. So, Casey's expanding in, like, two different ways. He's expanding on his blog, vlog, and he's also expanding with CNN. So, I don't know which one's going to work. I feel like vlogger Casey was a really good way for him to build his brand and everything and beam Casey he's too reserved he's too much in his head right now yeah I think like the problem is why we just don't know about or at least like I personally don't know too much about this guy that's running beam so I feel like right now it you know it's just like time will tell if it's actually going to be good even though they did already do that example video, so I don't know. Like, there's not yeah, enough they, where I know where, like, he showed more about his personality. It was just literally about a news topic, and, like, we have enough of that. That's, you know, it's a very crowded medium. I feel like the topic, though, they went after a topic that was slightly um, undercovered. You could say, like, the click, it was a click farms and everything. They went under, they went in a different way at it, so that was interesting. But I feel like anyone could have done that. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It wasn't okay. way too crowded of a space. Like, that was just, like, one video. Like, they're not going to be able to... I feel like they're not going to be able to think of interesting ideas after a while, and it's just going to become same old, same old. Yeah, and that's where mm-hmm. the personality personalities would come in. 
Yeah, that's where SourceFed thrived and then they failed is because the personalities started getting too bland and and they weren't expressing it enough. And it's just gonna become well, clickbaity order or clickbaity video titles, and they're gonna be. And it's just. Well, I think a lot of it was also them changing the cast every couple months. It's like as soon as you would get used to someone's character, they would like they would leave, and uh, just I don't know. Then you'd have to like start over and get used to the new so, guy. Sourcefed. Yeah, with Sourcefed. Okay, I do remember that, but that that was a lot of turnover because. I think a lot of them went to SourceFed, gained an audience, left SourceFed. Yeah, and that's a lot of what happens with BuzzFeed, so that's kind of the issue with a lot of these media-type companies. Yes, because they these young, young journalists, young YouTubers understand they can go to these large platforms, BuzzFeed, um, or work with Casey, or, or you know, do one of these SourceFeds, and that will launch their career if they work six months there. Because yeah. right now, I mean, like... Or what's that? Sorry, sorry. Well, I was gonna say like with SourceFed ending completely, every almost every person that was on SourceFed has grown into like their own YouTube channel, and it's like um, what's there's uh, someone that's named Sam, uh, Sam's, uh, Subtech, I, I think. Yeah, yeah, Sam Subtech, something like that. Um, he has like a million subscribers, almost a million subscribers at this point, I believe, and he's become like really successful on his own. And a lot of people that came from SourceFed are doing the same thing. So, like, in a way, SourceFed ending was really good for the personal careers of every one of those hosts. That's so true. Uh, let's, let's stop ranting about Casey because we still don't know what's going to happen. And let's talk about this. Um, let's go for the high price, this $1,600 phone by Red. So Red is a camera company. And the backstory of them is kind of complicated. So they started out in these like red forums back in the day, and they said they're going to build this crazy camera. No one believed them. Everyone thought they were crazy. Uh, over the years, they actually built the camera. They managed to like build this crazy camera that shoots the best quality video that you could possibly get. Uh, Marquez uh, shoots with it. Uh, other YouTubers like aspire to shoot with it. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy was shot on a red camera. So the red cameras, they're very, I don't know how you describe it. Um, they're pretty like aggressive looking, like industrial. Yes, industrial, aggressive. It, they call them like the dragon and like a shotgun or something. So they're very, very beautiful cameras in a sense. And now they're releasing a phone because, you know, why not? Uh, do you want to tell, like, one of you guys want to tell me what the phone specs are? Because I, I don't really know what the phone specs are they, or what's like, around. I haven't really released too many specs about it. There's just kind of this picture and on their website that kind of, like, you can tell that it has USB-C, has an auxiliary port. You can see that it has a camera, but they don't release any specs about the camera, which I feel like that's kind of important since it's coming from RED. And then they also talk about how the display is going to be some, like, 2D, 3D holographic thing which they're kind of comparing it to the Fire Phone, uh, how it had that like 3D without any glasses sort of thing, kind of like the 3DS or whatever. So yeah. they're kind of, like I don't know, most people that I've seen that had an opinion about it were just kind of like, why? Well, I don't know what they're going to do with this that'll make it make me want to use it, but yeah, they haven't really people... released any specs besides those kind of things. Yeah, I know a lot of people said, like, I'll just turn it off and use the regular 2D mode. So hopefully that's not what is making this phone really pricey, because otherwise, yeah, I see a lot of people just turning it off. 
Yeah, because it's like $1,200 for that, and if, you, if that's it's causing the phone to be expensive, there's no reason to buy it. I feel like what they're pitching that this phone has is it because you can use it with your red camera as a, a screen. Yeah. So I feel like most people that are going to buy this are going to buy it as a screen, and they also want to be able to, like, I don't know, take photos with it. I don't feel like the camera is going to be anything special. I feel like the whole selling point of this is that holographic screen that is going to be a mixture between the 3DS and the, um, the Fire Phone, like you said. Uh, other than that, the 1200 model is aluminum, and then the $1,600 model is uh, titanium. So a metal makes a huge difference in price, which is slightly interesting. Yeah. Are the, the actual like screens that they sell for the red cameras, are those around the same price point or like close enough where it's like, oh, I'll just buy a phone instead of getting a screen? Yes, I believe um, someone said that the red like screens, the secondary screens that you need are like 900 to a thousand dollars. So that's not too bad if you're just gonna get a screen and you have a phone too. <laughs> yeah, like it, it would make sense for Marquez because he's like, oh, I can carry my phone and I have a screen and I have my camera with me at all times. Yeah. I wonder if there would be a way to just instantly like convert it to, you know, a JPEG file and uh, share that to social media right away. That's that is something because Red uses a proprietary file s- format that you also need um, a proprietary uh, storage yeah. for the cameras, and the storage for the cameras are outrageously expensive. I forget what they're priced at, but I know they're like three four hundred dollars for like sixty four gigs. Uh, it shoots four K, so when you you convert these, maybe the phone will be able to convert these photos and videos to some sort of JPEG or MP four file. That would you would then be able to share instantly or or be able to easily edit on like you know just iMovie. Yeah, because yeah, this phone's also modular, so I wonder if there's just like extra storage options and stuff that, and even like camera options or something that would let you do that. Well, I know yeah. like if you like record in a red, they give you those big old like terabyte drives, the proprietary drives that you put on there. And you can fill up one of those really, really quickly. So I don't know if realistically, like posting straight from your phone from, from like what you record off your camera is like realistic because the file sizes are just so big. That is true. I feel like the modularity would be, <laughs> I, I think this is crazy, is you pop the phone into like the camera and then the, like you're just like doing everything with the camera, you know, like you can take a Snapchat photo with your red camera. <laughs> I could see it being good for like live streaming maybe. I don't know if it would be able to use the internet capabilities of the phone to be able to stream from the camera, but that would be an interesting idea. So I just, I just like I we just, just don't know, know anything who this about it. For. Yeah, like yeah. there's one picture, the price point, they even say that the price point more than likely will change once production hits. And more than likely, they'll only produce a handful of these phones at that $1,200 price. So you need to order now, and that pre-order price is not even set. They might need to charge you more. Yeah. It's just, it's like such a risk. I feel so who like do you think would actually pre-order this, like outside YouTubers. of all the Marquez's? <laughs> just no one. reviewing it? <laughs> Marquez, like, buys out all the supplies. It's not a consumer phone, I don't feel like. Right. It's definitely meant for people that produce video with their red cameras. Like I don't I don't see too many people buying this phone that don't own a red camera. 
Well, you know, everyone. Well, of course, no, no one that own that doesn't own a red camera more than likely won't buy this phone. But the big thing is, I think using the red camera for YouTube is overkill already. Like yeah. Marquez, okay, like he made that the staple of his his YouTube channel, crispy. But then other YouTubers have started coming up, pop, 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 and they're all like, oh, we're gonna use red cameras too. These red cameras are are ten grand, I believe, right? Yeah, even Marquez talks about how overkill it is. He's like, you definitely don't need this, but I just like to use it, sort of thing. Yeah, I think he that little gadget part of him is like, ooh, this is such a really cool camera. I can do all this cool stuff, and you know, and just he made it to that point so early in his career that he was like, I deserve to mess around with gadgets like this, you know? Yeah. And you can get like a five k five k camera really cheap, right? I wouldn't say cheap, about three grand. Right, okay. Because, yeah, because, like, I would say 5K would be probably the max you need right now. Damn, I can do, like, 8K or more, the red that he has right now? I don't know. I believe so. I think it shoots 8K, but he downreses it to 4K, and even then, the 4K videos are, are like, 60 to 80 gigabytes that are being uploaded to YouTube. That's insane. And I have, I have 300 uh, megabyte internet, and I still cannot watch a 4K video from Marquez all the time. Like, I always have problems, like a little buffer in the middle. I'm so just I... really interested to know about the actual camera on the phone itself and then the build quality, because that seems really solid. Yeah, I feel like the build quality is going to be great. The camera is just, that's the only thing that nobody knows about. Yeah, I feel like everyone everyone's putting a lot of trust in RED because they while they might say they're doing something they're going to always accomplish it over the year like it might yeah. take them two three years to accomplish this and it might cost uh five thousand dollars for the phone and then but they'll still be able to do it they'll yeah, somehow accomplish wonder, their task i also wonder if this says it's running android obviously but i wonder if it's going to be stock android or if they're going to put a skin over it or i feel like they'll do something like um custom apps and a few custom widgets maybe a few custom uh designs you know but nothing too crazy yeah lightly yeah. skinned probably probably like hcc or something like that where they barely touch it yeah a lot a lot less because they want to work with android and they want to work with them more google more than likely to optimize some of their their software for the phone because they don't want the phone to be slow when you're paying twelve hundred dollars yeah um, let's jump to the Echo Look. Does anybody have thoughts on that? I didn't really look at the Echo Look. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, let me start telling you what it is. Um, I linked to, in the show notes below, uh, well, they're on digitalbounds.com. You can read the Verge's, like, review of it. Um, overall, it's just, everyone's saying that there's no use for it, really, the real use case for it is for Amazon to learn about what people wear, how they wear it, what they think of their outfits. It's just allow them to train an algorithm so they can better serve um, uh, recommendations on Amazon.com. Oh. That's what it comes down to. There's nothing oh. special. It's a lot. It's so is very there creepy. any other that's reason dumb. to use this? I thought it was a security no, like, camera with Alexa at first. I was like, oh, that's cool. And then, <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, so what, what it does is you go up to you put in your bedroom and every morning or every time you go out you go up to the camera and say 
hey, word, take a picture of my outfit today. I'll take a photo of your outfit, and every day it like gives recommendations. It says, like, oh, that coat doesn't look good on you. Oh, I wouldn't put white with brown. Oh, this and that. And it's using algorithms and uh, experts, fashion experts, to give those recommendations. And then from there, you can use uh, it's Amazon wardrobe, I believe. And you can get uh, clothes sent to you to try on, and then you can buy that clothes. And then, of course, take more photos to see if you look good in it. So I feel like this is like just really a way to sell you stuff from Amazon because it's going to give you pretty basic recommendations like, you know, just don't combine these two colors or don't have like striped pants and like dotted shirt or something like that. Well, of course, like, honestly, the I feel like there's an algorithm and there's a person though, Sonny. Well, I mean, is that how does that work though? Is it like live or something or no? Like, so the photo goes into the, the little app, the Alexa app, and then from there, like maybe a day later, it'll tell you like you shouldn't have combined those two. I believe, you know. Oh, okay. So it does actually go to a real person. Yeah. So over time, you might get a real person. Some majority of the times, you'll probably get an algorithm telling you what's wrong or not. That's so stupid. That's yeah, so if it's stupid. an algorithm, majority of the time, I just don't see how this is worth it. Uh, why would? Why is this even a, like a market? Like, do people really struggle that hard with matching things? Like, I'm sure that uh, people do. Yeah, but I mean, the people that do, do, would they even care enough to actually purchase this item and use it regularly? Mm, I don't know. So, like <laughs> in, the, in the review, there's style checks. So you take a picture of two different outfits, and it tells you like which outfit you should wear. So it might tell you like the black dress looks better on you versus a loose fitting yellow dress. Uh, same thing with workout outfits and um, just just like that stuff. So it's it, it's aimed towards women or, or men that are very fashionable. Someone that wants to track what outfits they wear every day and someone that's going to use a, Amazon's new um, wardrobe delivery service. Uh, <laughs> what? <laughs> I'm, I'm no. I just I don't like this. I think one of the what, one of the comments on this Verge article, they're saying like it could be good you it could be goodly a good a good use for like selfies, um, because a lot of like teenage daughters will take selfies in the morning of what they're wearing and stuff and keeping track of that. I don't know. Yeah, that's what um, one person says. It's like my 15-year-old daughter and I can confirm she is constantly taking photos of herself for some reason or another. It will be 10 p.m. and she'll be putting on makeup just to take a selfie and then to take the makeup off again. So maybe there's there's teenagers or or women that are like, oh, I need to take a selfie. Or someone maybe that's doing a project, you know, they want to see how they change from each day. So maybe after five years you have thousands of photos of you yeah. and you can like, the use case is, is not what this is meant for no not for $200 I would not pay $200 for this if Amazon gave this to me for free and told me that I had to take a photo of myself every day I say oh yeah sure okay It'd be cool like if you get like a discount to this Amazon wardrobe with it but I don't see anything I actually don't know what, product. The, what is the name of that Amazon I cannot remember the name of it what is it called Prime wardrobe. I'm actually surprised this is not cheaper since they can easily make their money back from just selling you clothes. Yeah. 
Because like I doubt the camera itself is two hundred dollars. Because they, they were selling tablets for that cheap just to sell you content. Everyone always argues sooner or later Amazon's going to start handing out Echo Dots to people just to get it going. You know, to get everyone into Alexa and get yeah. everyone using Prime. But why didn't they do this with the camera? They should have priced the camera at like $75. Sold it, it at It might cost. just be... Or just like, if you subscribe to the Amazon wardrobe thing, the service you're talking about, just get it for free. Well, the Amazon wardrobe's included in your Prime subscription. Oh. So it's free, necessarily. For $100, you get it. It's part of their like little consortium of free products when you buy Prime. Oh. It sounds like they just want to try this out. And like they don't believe in their own product yet, so that's why they don't want to take such a, I don't know, major investment into it. Yeah, possibly that. And then I also think that they see everyone putting Alexa in all of these devices. They're putting them in thermostats, uh, fridges, ovens, and Amazon kind of wants to put Alexa in as much as their own hardware that they can, so they can get into the bedroom the kitchen yeah. so maybe one day we're gonna see like something more branded like kitchen related you know some i, I don't yeah. know what they could put it in there like yeah, a i'm with kyle though i think that if this was like a security camera with alexa built in where it could notify you or you know do something with ai alongside with that like i think that would be a really smart idea yeah i yeah, would that... like to have security cameras with alexa okay. in it so you could ask alexa like play the music up like you'd have it in your in the room and stuff inside it'd be more like a cannery so you could tell alexa and alexa could tell you yeah. what's going on okay. i feel yeah. like that's that's i would ask questions like did anyone you know did ups drop off a package or something like that so i saw this prime wardrobe thing before and i don't even like the idea of that uh because try before it's like try before you buy or whatever but then you have to wait for these clothes to get sent to you like if I'm buying clothes, I don't want to sit there and wait for it to come to me just so I can try it on. You know, Even like, if it's two-day shipping? Yeah, well, I mean, I don't know. I'm the kind of person that would just rather buy clothes in the store, or if it's, like, a more expensive item I know I want, I'll just buy it online. But, like, trying on clothes and, like, sending it back, it just sounds like a hassle. Well, that's the whole point of, of, of wardrobe is if you want to buy that $100 jacket, but you don't know if it's gonna be the right size. Maybe you used to go into the retail store, try it on, go buy it online because it's twenty dollars cheap, cheaper online. Mm -hmm. Now you can just have it delivered to you. If it fits, it fits. If it doesn't, you send it back, and then you get the right size. So it gives you a chance to make sure you don't have to just pay for it, return it. This time you can get it sent to you. And then you actually see, oh, it fits. Then you pay for it, and then you return the rest of the junk that you. I guess I just never you. had an issue big enough where I thought I needed a service like this. That's true. I I normally know like what fits me now. Like I'm pretty yeah. good at what fits me. Oh, that shirt's uh, made out of cotton and polyester. It's gonna be a medium. If it's 100% cotton, it's more than likely a large. You know, there's certain things that I know now about the clothes that I've learned over the years. Exactly. It'd be cool if the Echo Look could see what like what size you are and maybe try on try on clothes digitally. Yeah, I would like that. I, I just don't want that two day wait. 
Yeah, I think you're just impatient, Kyle. <laughs> Obviously. Uh, that's, uh, Sonny, there's this topic on Trello here. It's about the open web discussion from your Anchor podcast. Do you want to talk about it, or do you want to save it for a whole podcast by itself? Um, I don't know. How do you feel? Because I, I did answer your question a little bit um, on Anchor. I think we can do a quick roundup, and then we can get Kyle's opinion on it, too. So... If you would like to start about it, because you have your argument, and then I can counter it, and then we can get Kyle's opinion here. Yeah, so basically I was talking about how I think the future of like apps is going to be web apps. Not as a blanket statement for like, you know, apps are not going to are going to be obsolete in the future, native apps. Um, but the way I was looking at how the web technology, web platform has been growing recently, specifically with something called progressive web apps there's like new things you can do like have uh, push notifications you can store data offline you can have like a an icon on your home screen and a bunch of stuff like that so i think that you know also especially with like the twitter mobile app um they really they rebranded or redesigned the the twitter what is it mobile.twitter.com their mobile website uh to make that a progressive web app and actually works really well so just like based on all those things, I feel like a lot of mobile apps and desktop web apps and stuff can just be replaced with web apps. That's kind of my argument there. And my counter argument is they've already tried this two or three times now. Facebook tried to shift all the way to HTML5 and it partly failed. Um, there's other services and apps that have tried to move all the way to just a web app that they repackage on to Android, iOS, and yeah, Windows Phone. It's totally different now, though. Yeah, that's that's my counter argument to that. Like with React Native, like the Messenger app for Facebook is built in React Native, and you that's literally with like JavaScript behind it, and you can't tell the difference between that. I mean, and... it, it does compile down to native code. Yeah. But also, like back when Facebook and other companies were trying it. Um, the web platform did not have a lot of the features that we do now. So the idea of a progressive web app didn't really exist at the time. A lot of like the APIs just simply didn't exist. Yeah, and Slack does it too. They're, they're using React and they're using... Um, using Electron. Yes, Electron, there we go. They're using that to repackage them to different platforms. But I still see more advanced apps like core Facebook app needing to be a native app because you're going to need different features that you're not going to get from a web app. You don't, you're not going to be able to, yes, you can do notifications and everything, but I think there's still going to be a large need for, I don't uh, think so. Like native apps. I don't, I can't think of any feature in the current Facebook app that you wouldn't be able to do through React Native. Yeah. The main thing I'm, I, well, yeah, with React Native, you can just have every feature basically, but you can actually have like just a regular web app have like at this point 90% of the features. The only thing I can't think of, I can think of is um, not being able to share to Facebook from a different app. So there is nothing to tie into like Android's share oh, sure. system. They can make an API for that at some point. It wouldn't be difficult. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of that has to do just with the notifications, how they're going to notifications on like rich notifications. They'll still have to build certain features into iOS and Android and Windows. So they're still going to be spending time on those platforms and customizing sure. those web apps. If they do go web apps and they create one 
one uh, experience, they're just going to start having to dive in and spend two, three weeks on building extra rich notifications on iOS, the same thing on Android, and then they're going to go, oh, let's just ship it to Windows Phone because why not, or, you know? Well, it's all going to be a single API if it's the web. Um, But I'm just also kind of like, um, what is it called? Like, I guess, interpolating um, how the, the current movement of the web to the future. So at the pace that it's moving, like, you know, we're just keep adding more and more features to have web apps be act more like apps. And so it just seems kind of, you know, it just seems like impeccable that, you know, it's going to be, it's going to come eventually. Um, well, like, I guess the question is, is it going to be in a year or is it going to be like in five years? Personally, like at my job, we have a lot of client work where we build uh, apps for clients and every developer besides a couple of like the back-end web developers are all front-end web developers and we all like we create ios android apps all that kind of stuff uh that feel really native and everything for big clients uh that are just javascript code behind it so that's like what big clients now are wanting like we've done stuff for uber like that and like other bigger clients like that that are like web-driven apps yeah, I, I, I get what you guys are saying. I'm just saying that I I could bet here that what's going to happen is all these apps are going to try to go web apps, and then a few years, a platform change is going to, the seismic platform change is going to happen. Something's going to happen, and it's going to be like, oh, well, these web apps really don't work anymore. We're going to need to go back to the drawing board again. No, no. And that's, that's what happened in the so previous one. fast at- updating to that kind of stuff where i just don't think realistically it will be a huge issue well we're gonna have to wait and see because yeah because i mean even like well for example like vr you can do that really well in javascript now yeah there's web vr also yeah but the web vr still isn't as as high quality yeah i mean but it's only a matter of time before it is and I think that's what we're going to keep pushing back is a matter of time. Oh, we're going to get there. Oh, we're going to get there. And I just don't see it happening also, because how are you going to discover new apps when they're all web apps? Are you going to have to like go back to the old web where you like, oh, Facebook.com, MySpace.com, or, or is there going to be a centralized well, I mean, web sharing URLs is kind of like my other main point and how easy it is to install apps versus the traditional, you know, having an app store. Uh, but I mean, we have stuff like Product Hunt now to discover apps. I don't think that's really going to be an issue. I think there will be need there need to be a, a centralized web app store though to make it more stream mainstream because custom normal consumers are not going to understand that. Oh, I need to go type in the web address and then do this. Yeah, I think go, education oh, is definitely going to be one of the hardest parts. I agree with that. Yeah. Okay. Um, so but if you want to like. Well, to close off, to close off that, like, like I said, like, it's not that every app is going to need to be a web app in the future. Something simple, like I think Twitter could easily be just a regular web app, but anything that's going to need to be more powerful, like, yeah, go ahead and make a native app. It's going to be, you know, better and it's going to offer you more features potentially. But I think like a lot of cases I'm seeing now where it's like, oh yeah, you could totally save money. And just building a web app and have that available on every platform instead of having, you know, an iOS app, an Android app, and so on. <laughs> yes. I somewhat agree, somewhat disagree. I just, my, the discriminant part of me is saying that this has happened multiple times. And while 
it looks good and, and peachy right now. I just, something's going to happen that everyone goes, oh man, we shouldn't have done this. Let's move away from it again. Yeah. I mean, it could go either way. Um, yeah. I, I, uh, I hope that, I hope it goes towards the web app route, but we'll see. So I think that's all the topics for this week. Uh, let's jump to personal news. Um, I guess I'll start. So uh, the August Smart Lock Review is out on digitalbalance.com. You can check it out now. Um, Sonny was the master for catching my header, my title mistake that I misspelled a word in and no one caught it along the way. <laughs> uh, so I would read it. I've talked about it a few times. The August Lock really isn't that great, but at the same time, Maybe it's my geekiness that I just, I really want this to work and I feel like August can iterate on it. And if you spend the full, the full price to get their lock, their Wi-Fi bridge, their keypad and their doorbell, you're gonna have a really great experience. And I'm gonna buy that stuff over time and try to see if the true future is moving to smart locks and smart everything or really these dumb locks with just a key is where we need to be at the other part of it is i received the i don't know how to pronounce this the ben q the bean q it's ben yeah ben q is how i've heard it okay the ben q it's a 31 inch curved gaming monitor it's a 1080p so it's not 4k but it's a 31 inch monitor and it's curved and it's just it's massive it has 144 hertz refresh rate um there's special blue to make sure that it's not, it's like color correct. Then there's also like some other stuff where it will um, interface with like laptops and gaming um, gaming systems a little better than your traditional monitor. Uh, so I'm gonna have a review on that in maybe a week or two. This week, I'm gonna try to finish up my juice board review after I fell off of it and kind of was like, oh, I don't <laughs> wanna finish this. <laughs> Uh, so, Sunny, what do you have going on? Well, first of all, I'm really jealous that you have that 31-inch curved monitor. Like, that's, that's part of my dream setup to have like a really wide uh, curved monitor. Um, yeah, nothing much on my side. I'm still anchoring. I've got three episodes out so far. Um, hopefully, people like it. I don't know, but I'm trying to find interesting topics to talk about. And it's an actual podcast now, which I noticed majority of the views are from the podcast, like from iTunes and Google Play. So I think that's pretty cool. Um, and I just came back from Spider-Man today. I thought it was really good. Surprised me. Um, it's like two hours and 15 minutes, but um, there's also a really good end credit scene. So definitely stay for that. Um, okay, first thing is... The anchor, I really, really like the anchor, Sunny. Uh, I, I, they're so casual, and I know you keep like, you like apologize for saying like, you know, um and like and stuff, but I don't think it's that big of a deal. Like, yeah, I yeah, think I just, I just people self-analyze a lot, I guess, and I'm, I'm pretty bad at that. So yeah, I'll probably stop doing that and just focus on the content. Well, yeah, but what I'm trying to say is, don't doubt yourself when you're doing that. Over time, like when we started this podcast, we would talk over each other. I had the bad habit of doing that. You were a little quiet. And then over time you talked a little more, I learned to be quiet. So, you, you know, you learn and grow. So that's what I'm saying. Like you're gonna get much better at anchoring because 
you're doing it every day. You also have really great topics, and I really like calling in, so <laughs> I really like you doing it. Yeah, it's, it's fun to do, so that's the main point. I appreciate yeah. it. And then on the Spider-Man side, like, was it really that good? Everyone says it's, like, not that great. I get I mean, like, I thought Wonder Woman was terrible, and people thought it was great, and now I think <laughs> Spider-Man was really good, and apparently people thought it was okay. So I don't know, but, like... I mean, I thought it was, like, an okay movie the first half. And then there was a twist that is kind of, like, similar to, you know, back... Remember, like, the original Spider-Man movies? I forget the name actor. Back in, like, I don't know, 2004 Oh, oh, not Andrew Garfield. Oh, what's his name? Yeah, the one before Uh, that. Gosh, I have to look this up. (laughs) But anyway, it was kind of similar to how the original movies were. So I thought it was, like, an interesting twist, and it really... Um, turned from Toby Maguire. So. Yeah, Toby Maguire. Maguire. Yes, but also the Spider-Man is like 15 years old, so it's a different take on on Spider-Man. That was pretty cool. So Kyle, what do you got going on? Uh, I don't know. So you, I know you had mentioned investing in Litecoin. I kind of want to hear oh, a little yeah, bit yeah. about that. So I threw some money at Litecoin a couple of weeks ago when they're in that little dip and right now uh i'm positive nine dollars per litecoin so that's pretty cool and then so i'm kind of just i'm waiting for the market to dip again i'm gonna throw some more money at it and then i also invested in fitbit which is super risky i feel like right now it's at five dollars a share and it used to be at like fifty dollars a share so i'm just waiting for them to come out with something else and then sell that and then make some money so yeah it's kind of tech related i'd say it's really low risk though if they used to be 50 so i mean within the last year they were 50 so we'll see if nothing happens you you don't really lose out too much money on it yeah unless they liquidate like jawbone did yeah that is true jawbone just liquidated and then i believe the founder like went and started another health startup so yeah. that's its own like little mess that's, that they yeah, got I'd going be on. Yeah, if I was an investor. Or are but you I using s- the Robinhood app or something? Yeah, else? yeah, Robinhood. Okay. Do you pay for the gold subscription or do you just use your, your no, normal one? I just been using the normal. All I wanted to do was trade uh, without having to pay a fee, and that's what it does. So. Yeah, I'm a real big fan of it. So Litecoin's at forty nine dollars. Ethereum is at two thirty seven, which is down like fifty dollars from like a week ago, I believe. Yeah, before the market started, they talked about it being like over four hundred. Yeah, it was. Wow, hold on. Yeah, and six. And it probably has nothing to do with like the owner dying a second time or something like that, right? <laughs> no, I think. I think investors are a little are a little bullish on it right now because they're worried at what's going to happen to Ethereum. Because how Ethereum works, I found out is it depends on demand. It's it's more of a yeah. more like a stock than anything. Well, and then they're about to switch. Uh, they're like the business model of Ethereum because right now you can still mine it, and they're about to switch to like stake something is what it's called, where you won't be able to mine it at all. It'll just be whatever's there, whatever's left is the currency and yes. then obviously go up the price then but 
Yeah, and Litecoin taking off is a big deal because what I believe like maybe in May or something of of this year, I believe it was May, Coinbase started supporting buying and selling yeah. of Litecoin. So that kind of Litecoin, gave them a big bump. I, yeah. Litecoin, I feel like, is probably going to be a really big contender because right now uh, it's like the fastest coin to be able to like process payments and stuff. It's so like it's built. actually viable for like a real life situation, not just what this little bubble is right now. Yes, and it's also built off of most of what Bitcoin did, and it tried to fit all, fix all the problems that Bitcoin had. And yeah. Ethereum like try to fix them in a very different way. Um, if that's everything, you guys is that everything, guys? Yeah. Okay. So. If you guys like this podcast, we'd love if you go onto iTunes, write us six stars. I know it's only five, but do whatever you can and give us six stars. It really, really helps us out. Uh, check us out on digitalbounds.com. We really appreciate if you comment or share or you just read the articles. We appreciate that. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Leon Hitchens, um, Sunny Singh IO, and then Designed, Designed by, by Kyle. Kyle. Yeah. Designed by Kyle. So those are in the show notes on digitalbounds.com. We do have a Slack channel, and I kind of want to promote that more and more as we kind of keep going on, you know, so we can have a conversation. So I'll make sure to go, like, fix all our, our Slacks up over there. Um, so That'd be cool. Other than that, you guys can check us out. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat, we're all Digital Bounds. We appreciate you guys listening, and if you've listened this far, uh, tweet us so you can say hi. Uh, All right, guys. Bye. See you.